Okay, hello and welcome back to the TCC podcast. Um, this is Shayna. Um, this is Wyatt. And this is Erica. And today our topic for discussion is uh, racism in the United States. Uh, yeah, so today we're just going to be diving into um, some of like the subtopics of racism in America, which include police brutality, um, universities, and specifically affirmative action, and also the topic of um, white privilege, and also how um, in today's modern age, history is sort of repeating itself with racism. Um, so firstly, we're going to be talking about police brutality. Because, I mean, I kind of feel like it's a lot more prevalent than, like, like university discrimination, yeah. you know? Because it's kind of been a continuous thing, and I feel like... It's always going to happen. Yeah, I feel like at some yeah. point it's just going to keep happening, but it's not justified at all. Like, there have been so many shootings, and so it's like, shootings, oh, it's so because of, riots. like... And it's because of, like, suspicion or, like... Um, like, oh, you know, well, I thought he or she was doing this. It's like, no, like, you need to have a justifiable reason to shoot at someone, let alone, like, search them or arrest them. So I just, I kind of feel like there needs to be a crackdown with, like, police departments even to just kind of be like, we need to understand what the situation is and then how to handle it properly rather than just, like, yelling at the top of your lungs and screaming at someone who might not be as big of a threat as you think they are. Yeah, so, like, you're saying that, like, I guess today, like, nothing is really being done about police brutality. Like, I mean, there isn't, well, like, not that, like, nothing is being done about it, because there, it's, that's not to say that, like, people aren't paying attention to it. It's in terms of, like, on a bureaucratical level, like, there's nothing really being done in terms of, like, police departments handling yeah. it like they should have. Because, I mean, I kind of feel like there are, like, locally, like, Sacramento, for example, like, they are taking some steps to, like, try and, I guess, combat, like, police brutality. But I feel like it's not as prominent in Sacramento than it is in, like, other parts of California or, like, the United States in general. Like, I feel like because we live in Sacramento, we're not able to, like, see it firsthand yeah. technically. But, like, there are some instances where it's, like, you hear about it on the news locally. And then people get all frustrated about it because it's, like, oh, nothing's being done and, like... We're just letting the police, you know, attack this one group um, of people and they're getting away with it because it's like, oh, they were justified, but they're not being justified. And on top of that, we're only in Sacramento. There's so many other cities and areas in our state, let alone the nation, that are having bigger issues than just like one or two news stories Mm -hmm. here and there. Yeah, and in the media, you always see like, the trials go down <laughs> and all that stuff. But you always see their, the story either favors the, the victim or the police. But overall, at the end, the police most of the time end up getting the advantage in the situation. So this is like the problem that's going on. And the main reason they get advantage is because they're police they're officers. They're the law, yeah. Their <clears throat> job, their sole job is pretty much to protect and defend yeah. the law. But, like, to what extent are they actually protecting and defending the law? Because it's, like, if you're going up to innocent groups of people who aren't really doing anything, then there's no point in you trying to, like, 
justify yourself saying that, oh, you know, like, what I'm doing is right because they were, like, causing a disturbance or something like that. It's like, yeah, but did you check into that? Did you, like, talk to anybody else? No, you just focused on that one group and you justify yourself by saying, well, I thought. Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, in today's modern age, I feel like, you know, especially a lot of right-wing people very much have this perception that the law equals morality and that police officers are inherently moral. And I think that's kind of where, you know, like the whole Blue Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. has kind of born out of because there was no, like, there was no such thing as a Blue Lives Matter movement until, like, until Black Lives Matter became a thing. And so I think, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's if it's just them having, a new, like, a negative reaction to the Black Lives Matter movement, but I also, but I do think that a lot of them have this perception that, yes, like, okay, like, their police officer is, like, inherently what they are doing is right and that, like, they can't be at fault for anything, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I mean, and then when they are at fault for something, they never really want to, like, admit to the extent at which they are at fault mm-hmm. for it. Um, well, like, even just, like, looking at some of the, um, cases, like, online, um, more recently, it's been targeted towards, um, not only, like, African-American communities, but also, um, like, uh, Iraqi or Iranian, like, Middle Eastern Eastern, communities as well, because, um, like, after 9-11, first of all, um, it's not justifiable to say that someone is still a threat because of 9-11. 9-11 happened, what, 18 years ago now? Yeah. And you can't be justifying yourself saying that, oh, you know, this community is still a threat to us because of the things that happened in 9-11. There are so many people that were targeted during that time period, and there was a heightened amount of police brutality as well as just brutality in general to that um group of people like my parents even they were they were like thrown out of like a restaurant and they were like told to go back to where they came from which isn't from the middle east and then now you're seeing a bunch of these police brutality cases where this community as well as others are being targeted for absolutely no reason and it's just because the police officer or the police in general in that area feel it necessary to like put them in their place or like let them know that like hey don't mess with us because like it like it's not justified at all what they're doing to these communities of people and I feel like not only do we need to take into account in like one city but like nationally yeah and I know like I'm probably kind of bringing up like an obvious argument here but I mean it is well known that after 9-11, like, Bush created a system to, like, specifically target, like, Middle Eastern men, mm-hmm. you know, like, like specifically. Yeah. And I think, I mean, even in today's age, like, it wasn't justifiable to begin with, but I think in today's age, it's, like, extremely not justifiable just based on the fact that it's, like, you know, it's logically, it's logically incorrect to, like, blame the actions of a few people on not only an entire group of people, but, like, an entire region of people Mm -hmm. and yeah and I mean like even a lot more recently like first of all people know their rights they know exactly what is going to be happening they know what they're going to be told so it's not like they don't know 
um, what they're doing. I've seen several videos through like multiple sources um, where like the people, if they're either like in their car, or, like on the street or in a shop or whatever, and they ask for a reason. There are a lot of people that will ask why they're being questioned, why they're being, you know, detained or whatever. And they, the police don't give them an answer. No. They're literally just like, get on the ground or like, put your hands, you know, where I can see them, blah, blah, blah. And like, people will refuse to do that because they need a justifiable reason as to why they're being searched or why they're being pulled over, like on the street, why they're being pretty much like antagonized by the police officers and then the police officers will get more aggravated which lead them to just use detain force, the yeah. person and use force even draw their weapon if necessary quote unquote because they felt some, like their life was in danger or yeah, something like that or like they feel it's unnecessary for someone to ask why they're being arrested or why they're being questioned by the police but everyone has the right to be asking that question mm-hmm. because they can't just randomly, you know, stop search you or randomly of, stop yeah. someone. And I feel like that's becoming increasingly popular is like police not giving a justifiable reason to be questioning people. I just want to say one thing. We're not trying to hate on police. This is just like the certain group of officers yeah. who like attack races and take their job, like take advantage of their job and just like attack and racially profile different races just because they want to. Not all police officers do this. Just that certain group of people who still don't understand, like... Like, we're just trying to address that it is a problem. We're not blaming the police or anything like that. We're not hating on, you know, Sacramento Police Department or whatever. But, like, we still think it's a problem regardless. Yeah, and Uh, this isn't to demonize anyone. And, like, obviously it's not to, like critique and criticize police law and, like, police officers. We just think it's necessary. But, it, I mean, it does also boil down to a fact that like it's the police departments in large that aren't really condemning these officers and aren't and aren't yeah exactly Mm -hmm. like aren't giving them the punishment necessary that they deserve for committing these crimes and I mean to go along with what Shana said I feel like in today's modern age a lot of people and most people know their rights which I think is a good thing like more people are becoming civically aware exactly of their rights and so like if i mean a cop can't detain you or anything like that like if they don't have probable cause and i think that like if a cop is trying to detain you and then you ask like you know what is the reason for me being detained like and they don't tell you that like i don't think that's like i don't think that can be like legally or morally justified in any way Mm. it's it's just it's it's annoying at this point, what's happening? Yeah, it exactly. Really is yeah. I mean, it's annoying that, like, you know, that we still have to deal with these things. Ex- like yeah, well, like, not only like racism, but just kind of like, yeah, I mean, even, I mean, obviously, like, you know, intolerance is going to be an issue, a constant thing, a, a yeah. constant thing no matter where you go. And all we can really try and do as a society is minimize it as much as possible and react to it the best way that we can. But I mean, I feel like, I mean, even since like, like police brutality has just like, it has such a long, like rooted, a long sentiment and just such a long rooted history in America, especially like, I mean, like just going back to like the, like, like the 1960s and like the civil rights movement and stuff like that. And even like, you know, even in like the 19, 
even in the 1920s and stuff like that, especially with a lot of, um, like a lot of queer people in New York were subject to police brutality during that age. And I mean, it's just something that like, I mean, we've, we've solved, yeah, we've solved a lot of issues in America, but I don't think, I mean, I think that's one of the things that we haven't really made a whole lot of progress on is police brutality, Mm -hmm. because every time this happens, there's a pattern of, you know, an innocent, an in, exactly like an innocent, an, an innocent person of color gets their life taken away by a police officer, and then people protest for a while, and then nothing happens, and then people protest some more because because nothing happens. But yet, in the long run, nothing really ends up being done. And I think that that's the issue here because I think you know, like as a country, we are so quick to think of so, think about like solving these issues in the short term, but it's, it really is a long-term solution that we need to come up with, like, and really look at ourselves and say, like, as a whole and, like, as a country, how are we reacting in the big picture of things and how are we solving this in the long run? I'm just looking on the Washington Post. Sorry, I was, like, trying to find articles. But um, as of 2019 so far, because um, technically we still have December, you know, as of 2019, there's been 783 police shootings in total. Um, in the U.S.? Within the U.S., yeah. And a lot of the shootings, like if this image right here, if you look at it, a lot of them aren't fatal, but it's still, it's still a shootings. problem. Yeah. It's still shootings. And a lot of it is scattered throughout the East Coast. Which I feel, yeah. you see that? West like it's, Coast and then more so. Like it's the like, it's very dense States, towards so. like the eastern part of the United States. Um, but like for us to be having that many shootings in general isn't okay. Because I don't think, you know, the police, it's, it's not like you can say to yourself that like, oh, you, you know, I drew the weapon in self-defense or something yeah. like that. For us to be having nearly 800 shootings as of 2019 so far we don't even know if it's gonna like surpass 800 or like you know the year's not over so yeah the year's not over yet but like for us in the span of 11 months to have almost 800 shootings is unnecessary i think and quite frankly shocking um because in years since we've had even more so it's like it's kind of a good thing that we're going down but like it's not like we're going it's 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 just not a good yeah. thing for us to say that oh we went from like 800 to 700 like that's not a good thing mm-hmm. there are several other countries that have gone from like 10 to 5 or like 20 to 15 or something like that and we're telling ourselves it's okay that we're going from 800 to 700 because yeah. it's still not a good number Oh, and in all these, like, cases that you see on the media, like, Stefan Clark, Freddie Gray, or different others, like, all over the world, there's always reforms that could have been, like, done, like, something that went wrong in the case. Like, like you guys were talking about the police using excessive force or stuff like that when, when they shouldn't be using it, or if the person was actually doing nothing wrong and they're just being accused for doing that stuff. Like, and, it's like, a whole, like, yeah. misunderstanding mm-hmm. case, which shouldn't be a thing because if there's a misunderstanding most the the most logical step is to try and understand the situation 
before any action is taken. But in this case, if there's a misunderstanding, the police believe that their opinion is more justified than the the victim or whatever, and that's because they're a police officer, which leads to a whole, like, oh, like, authority figure-wise, like, they think Like, authority is always justified. Yeah, but not all the time. Like, authority isn't usually justified most of the time. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm obviously not here to say that, like, this is an issue that we only have, like, in America. Like, obviously, this happens worldwide, but I think that, like, specifically, police brutality is a lot more prominent in the United States than it is in other countries, and even if you look at, you know, like, especially countries like the United Kingdom, just how, like, how their police and citizen interactions are. Um, I think that, like, in a lot of other countries, especially developed countries, their police and citizen interactions are a lot more positive versus in the United States, a lot of people have a fearful opinion of the police. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, rightfully so, but it is sad in, in the fact that we, like, our citizens live in fear of, of the law. Of the law enforcement. Because, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, would respond to, like, our podcast here talking about police brutality by saying, oh, like, you know, you should be thankful for our police officers. Like, who are you going to call, like, if something happens? But, like, you know, like, we aren't really in, like, imminent danger. Like, all the... Yeah, like, that's we what I'm really saying We aren't really in before. imminent danger. And, and, I mean, we have to... Instead of trying to say like you know why like you should be thankful like that there are police officers out there and stuff like that and obviously like you know like a lot of them I'm sure are good people and doing their jobs we should try and look at the fact of you know like how can we improve police and community relations and how Mm -hmm. can we like in the long term make this a more positive thing where especially you know poor communities um more disenfranchised communities and specifically um, communities of minority descent, how can we how can we improve those relations between police officers and the people themselves? Like, we should be looking at long-term solutions and not short-term, because I feel like with an issue like this that's extended so far as, like, like early 1990s, 80s, 70s, whatever, you want, whatever decade, essentially, at this point you want to name, it'll most likely have happened. And... Like, I feel like we're not necessarily trying to find solutions that will affect long-term-wise, but more of, um, like, we're trying to find short solutions that it's just like, okay, for now it's good, but what are we going to do, like, in the future? Yeah. If this ends up still being a problem, which it most likely will be. And adding on, like, maybe, like, the final points, like, summarizing this topic, the final things, like, what Wyatt was saying, like, the police, like, we can't hate on them because there's obviously, there's always going to be, like, that small amount of people in any situation that either don't listen or take advantage of their position. So I think it's just important to, like, realize that this is going on. It probably will continue, but we're hoping it'll minimize to, like, stop this issue. And that's what we're talking about. It's, like, bring awareness and get, like, people to know, especially, like, young kids who are, like, are starting to get into politics to know, like, you know. That Wait. this is a rising issue yeah, and that yeah. we should be taking action as a whole. Exactly. Because, yeah. like, we're going to be voting, right? Yeah. Like, pretty soon. Next election, I yeah. mean, if you're if you're a senior in high school this year, if you're older, you have no you excuse not to no be. Not you exactly to be have involved. no excuse not to be involved in voting. And not even just voting because, I mean, I think one of the worst things that you can do is just give, like, a misinformed vote, obviously. But, I mean, I think, you know, as 
a younger generation, there aren't, I mean, I know there's some of us that are like civically involved, but I think that like as a country, more young people and more millennials need to be civically involved in, you know, talking to their lawmakers and protesting and trying to really hammer out some solutions here to these issues that are going to become a lot more prominent to us in about 20 to 30 years when most of us are adults and, you know. It's kind of like the cliche, like, we are the future kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I know that that whole phrase is, like, overused so much. But, like, it's true. But it's it's the it's literal facts. Like, we are going to be the people to hopefully change the future. And I feel like if it kind of just remains the same, we're going to have to keep addressing the problem and not really. Like, it's just, like, we'd be going in circles. It's not going to be, like, we're finding solutions. It's just more of, like short-term stuff that'll like keep the people quiet yeah. you know for now and then later it becomes another issue and then it's like a cycle that revolves yeah and to just finalize like police brutality like just because we're young you can't be like i don't like politics or politics is boring like it's something that's always going to be there like you're always going to have it's you're going to depend on it like at this point it's it's just going to be yeah something that's going to be shoved in our face Regardless, like you, yeah, I like you, like, oh, like, what's it called? What's the word? You're gonna have to get it eventually. So just might as well yeah. start knowing about it, getting informed now rather than later when it's too late. And like you don't know what's going on, like in the world. Yeah, and I also think you know, I mean, it's not so. I mean, yes, it is being involved in politics, but I think also it's kind of just you know being aware of the stuff that's go, go, exactly like just going on around you, like really just caring about, you know, your future and, you know, the life that you're going to experience politics in a few years just, from now. Politics isn't just, like, the White House and the government. Yeah. It's, it's not like, just voting. It's, it's every local, day. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like local issues that it's happen. It's why you're experiencing the stuff that you're experiencing, experiencing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, so with that, um, we'd like to end our uh, segment on police brutality and we're going to move to the topic of um, white privilege, as <laughs> that is a very big issue Again, in the United States. Again, no hating on white people. This isn't what we're trying to do. Our message isn't necessarily like white people are bad and this and that. But it's it's become a lot more prominent, especially with, um, I guess, a hatred towards different minority groups because of, you know, external factors or how you just opinions basically but white privilege is still technically a pretty big issue not only with like oh you know like locally or anything like that but like in different scenarios it's become like a huge topic that most people want to focus on. it's like police brutality basically but like a different like point of view different um what's the word like flip the script kind of thing yeah yeah i mean and that also i mean police brutality and white privilege of they honestly kind of go like hand in hand because white privilege at large i mean it's a i mean it's a very overarching thing and it's really hard to you know like put just kind of a simple one-line definition on it and i'm not trying to do that in any way but i'm just saying that like a big part of white privilege is that it's like it's the system that allows affluent white people to get away with the stuff that they get away with and it's Mm -hmm. the same system that sends you know, like demographically wise, it sends white kids to more high income schools where they have access to more resources. And then therefore that allows them to go to 
college or wealthier colleges, which allows them to gain wealthier employment. And it just kind of perpetuates this whole, this, it, it just perpetuates the whole system of affluency and privilege in this country. Yeah, and when you see like, this, is, this has to do with anything, but when you see like charts or graphs of anything, you see like the blacks, Hispanics, or other um, races are often stopped more or being like pressed more than the white community. So overall, you always see like the, um, the basically the color group getting attacked more than the white group. So you can see there's a big difference in everything. Like in the past, like Wyatt was saying, the different um, protests and stuff like that is always like people of color and like sometimes white people often too join these um, protests because they know it's something going on. It's like we're not hating on them. It's just like it's a thing that's yeah, happening. It's always regardless. Yeah. Even if we hate the fact that it's happening or hate the fact it's, that it's become a huge topic, it is a topic and it needs to be discussed upon because something such as white privilege has been very prominent. Like again, with like police brutality, it's been prominent for a while now, generations worth uh, for that matter. Yeah, it's, it's ingrained in the history. Pretty much. It's ingrained in the history of this country and just like, you know, who is in the government and who holds the money and the power in this country and who is at the top of the 1%. And most of the time, it's sad to say, but that is like, that's the white man that's at the right. top, that is at the top of, you know, the monetary and economical food chain in this country. And not only is it like, you know, just related to like business or whatever, like with employment, for example, just for one example, like a lot of people um, have come to the conclusion that like white straight men will end up getting a lot of higher, you know, positions in whatever, you know, business or company or whatever. The white straight man has been continuously told that they are going to be the ones that are going to end up on top mm -hmm. and i feel like if we're going to be a progressive country we need to understand that that is completely false <laughs> and that there are other races there are other genders exactly yeah. you know of people that will obviously be just as successful or can be just as successful as the white straight man yeah and that's like the stereotype you think of when you think of us you think of like why big businessmen like owning all these big companies and stuff like that like even in the government yeah, yeah like yeah. if you think of like oh who you know think the president is it's like, like oh it's a white man yeah like, all the no. president most of the presidents have been um what yeah <laughs> no yeah literally. like literally all but one of our presidents has been a big rich white man, man. shout out obama <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for being but the i one. feel like i mean we really do kind of need to like, and I hate to sound direct, but like those people really just need to be like knocked off their high horse for a sense. Because yeah. I mean, we all, I mean, I hate to say that like, we really do need to like, as a society, gain this perception that like it is an equal playing field that like we are all shooting for. Here. I feel like as a white man, I believe <laughs> that my own kind shall be not. No, yeah. But like, because I feel like even in our government or whatever, like the house, for example, is majority like it's very diverse you know it's full it's full of now it is women. now yeah, it, like, now it is. since 2018 the house is yeah very diverse. which is honestly like i think is a huge step for us um in general let alone like for women or for colored women or whatever in general this is a huge step for us but like our senate is still made up of like these traditional mm -hmm. you know guys 
old guys who <laughs> it, like they stick with traditional values yeah. therefore a lot of the progressive stuff that we try to you know fix and accomplish it usually doesn't happen or happens by force because people get like continuously aggravated with the fact like that nothing is happening yeah like adding on to what Shana was saying you're seeing like all these new women like step up running for president all these colored um men or women joining also like the Senate, House, stuff like that. So, like, we're seeing a big increase on, um, what's the word? Diversity. Diversity, yes, <laughs> in our um, government. Yeah, and I mean, I think specifically, you know, 2019 was something that really kind of, I mean, I'm not, yeah, 2018 yeah. and 2019. I mean, obviously, like, it didn't end white privilege in, it, like, in any way. Like, this is still a massive issue that we are still dealing with as a country. But I think it really, you know, kind of you know you've seen it die down ex- exactly that's the word for it you saw it you saw it like die down a lot with the fact that you know more people are realizing that no the future isn't just white and straight and male it's all of us like all of us are in this race together to help you know make a better society we are the united States. <laughs> God, <shut up. laughs> no but i mean like i feel like because we're kind of like being very progressive so for us to like as the people you know for us to kind of be um super involved with trying to make sure the united states is just as progressive as the people want it to be <laughs> it's sorry y'all were doing something and i was just like what no but um it's nice to see that like our government is slowly but you know they're trying um to be <laughs> Um, just as progressive as like the people want the country to be because like if we go off with the impression to like other countries saying that like oh yeah our government it's like still the same as it was you know they're gonna think that like we are an irrelevant country they're gonna think that you know the way that we operate and the way that we do things is very obsolete and just based on the fact you know for a while the united states has moved a lot slower in terms of how we, you know, of how policy becomes enacted in this country. And, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of other countries, especially like within the European Union, are a lot faster at, you know, putting forth progressive legislation. And I think that, you know, 2018 showed the world that the United States can be very proactive in this fight for modernizing our governments. Yeah. Are we going to... Um, actually, I think we should talk about Beijing. Yeah, so, um, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) sorry, Sorry. um, topic change. Yeah, so we're going to move on to the topic of, um, affirmative action and, um, how this impacts our education system for a lot of our young people. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was just wondering, what are, like, what are your guys' thoughts on affirmative action in this country? So, um, I've actually, my voice, (laughs) um, no, like in, um, in Gov, it's at school, um, we were talking about, there's this, like, one court case that, um, we were talking about with, like, reverse discrimination or something like that in, like, universities, um, so it's, it was kind of like this guy was suing, I forgot the name of the case, but this guy was pretty much, like, suing UC Davis or, like, the UC, like, school system because they were discriminating against him, a white person. 
Um, right. But like, uh, um, I don't know about all that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, like UC Davis was trying to do some like affirmative action, and they were trying to like hold spots for um, like not so privileged, um, underdeveloped, I guess, er- like people who grew up yeah, exactly, in like underdeveloped yeah. areas, which is great. But it's it was like found unconstitutional that they hold spots for people like that. So nowadays, a lot of like universities offer like scholarships or like. Yeah, um, different yeah. like uh, like professional you know kinds of like internships and stuff like that for people that are from those minority groups like i was looking at some of the scholarships that like usc for example um that they provide and it's like for people that are coming from like um like the pacific islander like regions and people that are coming from african-american um descent and people who are coming you know like like just a mix of different yeah, exactly, like yeah. diverse uh groups of people and i think that's um a really nice step in like regards to affirmative action cuz i feel like for us to promote to these different communities that like college isn't just for people who are like super smart and like at the top of their class like college is for everyone yeah. who choose to go to it um, because, you know, there's obviously financial stuff and stuff like that. But now we offer, like, financial aid. So now it's, like, we're helping a lot of different communities through these small, like, little pieces in regards to the whole of affirmative action. Yeah, and, like, adding on to that, there's, like, you're seeing all these new programs come up of, like, for specifically, like, the race, like, a group of Latinos, a group of um, Hispanic, no, no, Hispanic, sorry, <laughs> of blacks. <laughs> you see them, like, getting in their little groups and, like, growing so like you're seeing like the school diversity like increase in like each um what's it called damn it i forgot university yes (laughs) each group like you're seeing you're seeing them increase and like it doesn't just help them but it helps like the university like um get their what's i keep on forgetting representation yes Oh my gosh. We have a list of vocab words for her, like right in front. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but I think, you know, with affirmative action, I mean, a lot of people have this, I mean, and especially like a lot of like other white people have this perception that, you know, because it's affirmative action and because it's leveling the playing field and giving equal opportunities to people of other races that it's somehow like discriminating against them which honestly, I mean, I can't really see that in a way because I feel like it's at large. I mean, most of the time, the people like the admissions officers and the people who would be, you know, admitting Mm -hmm. these kids into these universities would be choosing the white, the white man, like at large. And so I feel like, you know, reserving some spots for minorities is a fair way to level the playing field. And that might, you know, contribute to the fact that like, in like the application process because now they're like they I feel like yeah universities and like colleges they used to have like those interview processes where like they didn't like they would give in their application but it would also be like an interview where you could ask them like personal inquiry questions and then um but I feel like a lot of people felt they were being discriminated against because of the fact that people were um, looking at race compared to like what the application actually held so i feel like that's kind of why universities um don't necessarily do the interview process it's just more of like what do you have to offer as like an academic scholar for example so 
like it's still nice to consider race for like scholarships and stuff like that but I feel like it's a really good way for us to kind of be a little bit more inclusive by not really doing um, the interview process. Yeah, and um, with that, we're going to close and um, enter our last topic of discussion, Mm -hmm. which is kind of how, you know, at large, history repeats itself with racism. And I know that's kind of, you know, like a basic thing to talk about, but I do think it's very important because with um, the rise of white nationalism in this country and, you know, since we are living in Trump's America. Pretty much. We, since we, yeah, exactly. Since we are pretty <laughs> much living in Trump's America, we have, you can't deny that, like, as a Nate, I mean, even if you are a Trump supporter, you can't deny that, like, the number of hate crimes and racist attacks in this country has gone up. And I think part of the reason why they've gone up is because, is because, you know, we have a leader that, that perpetuates that stuff and doesn't condemn it for what it is. Like, I mean, I don't specifically know the name of the man, but I know um, a Hispanic male in Texas got, like, acid thrown in his... Exactly, got, like, acid thrown in his face, which is, like, like, insane to think that, like, that stuff is, like, happening here, Mm -hmm. you know? But, like, he got acid thrown in his face by a white man who, like, said he was... Exactly, who said, like, he told him to go back to his country because he thought that he was, like, here illegally, when in reality the man was a U.S. citizen... But I mean, even regardless if he was a U.S. citizen or not, like you, it's still wrong to exactly. throw acid in someone's face. And I like, mean, I'm not trying to be like pessimistic here, but I don't really think that like that man, that the man who committed this crime, is going to receive the justice that he deserves. Like yeah. that should be like a lifelong, like you, like you, like disfigured someone. Yeah. Like you committed like a <laughs> electric exactly no literally like you committed like a heinous crime but like based on the fact that you know he's white and how the justice system usually works, le- especially exact- in texas exactly especially in texas which is a conservative state and leniates pu- punishments for the white man i sadly feel that you know not a whole lot is going to be done in regard to and this even case. even in like like smaller instances with like the college scandal for example um, how there was, like, what's her name? Lori Laughlin, right? And her, like, daughter or whatever, trying to get into USC, paid thousands of dollars to get her daughter accepted and, like, for the application to lie on that. And her punishment is, like, still being decided. Whereas, like, I don't even know if, like, someone else who might have, like, marked something wrong or whatever, they'd be, like, you know, kicked out of the university and they'd be punished and they wouldn't be able to reapply or anything like that. So, like, there's a lot more consequences for that. But if you have the bank account and if you have, like, whatever, you know, like, even if it's just small things like skin tone or whatever, like... Exactly, her, her yeah. punishment is still being decided. No, yeah, I mean, there's... I mean, and this all obviously, you know, all obviously circulates back to white privilege and racism in this country because... There are African American people and you know minorities in this country who are in jail for life for like nonviolent drug offenses, mm-hmm. and there's and even like, like possession exactly, of like marijuana, or exactly like possession that. of marijuana or like you know there and there's black people in this country that are in jail for life for like voting fraud, which is like ridiculous. Like there's people regardless in this regardless of their race that are in jail in this country like for life for something that you know 
in the big picture of things isn't really that big of a deal. Yet people that are white and people that are affluent and powerful, like Lori Laughlin, haven't received the punishment that they deserved. And oh, oh, the jury is still out. Oh, they're still deliberating on like, this. Like they committed a crime. It was fraud. Like you. And it's you like get big news. That's the time thing. For that. No, yeah. Like if I mean, if am I? And it's obviously sad to think, but it's true that like if a minority person committed that same crime. Would they have received the same treatment, lenient punishment? Yeah. No, they would not have. Absolutely. It's it's just sad to see that it's still happening, and not even just in like general cases, but like now it's spread to different like branches of our government and our country as a whole, as society. It's so sad to see that there's still mistreatment, even though we're trying so hard to modernize our country now with like equality and equity amongst everyone. So I just kind of feel like it's a little, it's just depressing yeah, and <laughs> to obvi- see that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, w- I mean, this came out like a few days ago, but I mean more on scope of like how history repeats itself in the world. And this isn't just like, this isn't racism as a whole. This is like intolerance as a yeah. whole. And I remember I was reading this CNN ar- article and it says, um, the title of it says, Holocaust survivor receives 200 threats a day. Now she needs police protection, which obviously anti-Semitism is still a thing in the world, but it's sad to think that, you know... Someone needs police protection. Exactly, and it, death exactly. Threats. Death threats, and it's sad to think that there are people out there that want to, that, you know, want to go after someone who has already obviously gone through so much and just to target an individual exactly, because to, of their past. Not even not. to target an innocent individual, to target someone who oh. is completely innocent and has gone through so, so much, much and has obviously lost so much because of intolerance. And then for her to have to deal with this again and for her not to have any freedom mm-hmm. from those chains of intolerance, it's sad to think that like these things are still happening. Like, I can't even imagine getting 200 death threats and like, you know, just One like... Death one death threat, let alone oh, 200, yeah. sent to you almost every day because of the fact that you're a Holocaust. Yeah, survivor. this like is an 89-year-old woman. Like, she shouldn't have to go through stuff like this just because yeah. her past. Like, she's like, like you guys have been saying, she's been through so much. Like, the police, it's just crazy. It's inhumane at this point. Like, even though it's not, like, physical attacks on her or, like, her, like, house or area or whatever, it's still inhumane to think that for you to send a death threat to someone is like okay in your eyes. Like I feel like at that point it's it's just wrong to be targeting people and sending them threats because they're inferior or you believe that you're superior. Like it's if we're if we're trying to promote equity and equality, there's no point in us saying that we are when stuff like this is still going on. And we're targeting innocent yeah. people for no reason. And the article says it was um, she was only 13 when, like, all this started happening. And that's really young. Like, we're 17, and we're still, like, growing up and, like, learning about these things. So I think it's very, like, this just, I cannot speak today. <laughs> like, this just shouldn't be happening at all. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, with... With um, in closing our episode, I think that at large, this like all these you know problems can be summed up as the fact of until we as human beings realize that you know 
we need to start, I know this sounds like basic, but like until we actually start like celebrating our differences and stop sitting there and like thinking that, you know, one race or one of us is superior Mm -hmm. to the others or to another is, I mean, that's the only way that we can fix this problem at a large. Like until people in our society get it through their heads that we are all equal and that no one is superior based on their religion or their race or their sexuality or their gender, like we're still going to have to keep dealing with these issues. So with that being said, okay, (laughs) (laughs) this is our second episode of the TCC podcast. Thank you for listening.